You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Well, hey there. Hi. It's been a while. Yes, it has. I mean, not for us. We live together. But, but for, for everybody else. The wolf pack. Yeah, hi. How? Well, I was about to ask them how they were, but... You know, tell us on Facebook yeah, how you are. You're allowed, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, join the Facebook group. We'd love every, to know. Every time we ask, you guys have to go on Facebook and tell us how you are. We want mm-hmm. to know about your days. Yeah. Your lives. We don't want to know all about it. I, we don't. But, yeah, we do. I don't know. I feel like I'd get really tired of reading comments. I had a TikTok blow up and I keep getting comments <laughs> on it. And I'm like, could you people shut up? I'm always afraid when we are talking about something that we will get like a fact wrong and that people will feel the need to tell us about it. And I'm really grateful that that has not happened thus far, which is not an invitation. No, but you know what I think that the real joy of it is? Hmm. Uh, we're always right. You're yeah. So far, this conversation has not convinced anybody that we would be fun people to hang out with them. <laughs> and you're right, we're not. We have a good time, but but other people, yeah, might not. I don't I, know. I had a good time kind of getting back into the Teen Wolf groove. Yeah, it was very exciting. We had taken a little break, a week off. Yeah. Yeah, you were busy getting your wisdom teeth removed. I am four teeth lighter. It. I feel no different. Really? I feel like I felt different, but I, I feel like all of my teeth took a breath. I, um, nothing about the way that my jaw is sitting right now feels right, but it's also only been a week, so I assume that that'll just go back to normal at Fair. some point. I, it is so funny that, like, everybody has a wisdom teeth story, is that when you meet somebody who's, like, well into adulthood and still has them, you're like, what? huh? It's actually crazy you kept yours as long as you did. Only out of pure laziness. But actually, if we have some young listeners, the thing that I learned during this whole process is that you should get your wisdom teeth out as soon as possible because uh, they are not fully grown until you're like 24 or 25. And it makes the removal and recovery process that much easier. I wish I had known that. Although mm-hmm. there was something about mine where like I just didn't need... Oh, I forgot that I'm missing a shitload of adult teeth. They had to pull a bunch of my adult teeth to get my braces out. So mm. they thought that the wisdom teeth were just going to grow in normal and be like teeth teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, they mm, didn't they were wrong. They were wrong. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, just get them out as soon as you can, yeah. folks. If that's a possibility for you. It's so crazy that people just, like, lose teeth. Yeah. Like, when I was working at summer camp, children would just be like, look, my tooth fell out. And I'd be like, I one, I'd have to say congratulations, which is crazy. <laughs> As if that's, like, some major, like, thing that they did that we worked really hard on. True. Yeah, but I'd be like, that's so exciting and pretty fucking gross. It is a bone that just fell out of your head. It's really weird. Do you get teeth dreams? No, I've never had, my sister has them all the time. I get them really bad, which is weird because I don't have anything, I don't have any like weird things about teeth, but apparently it's like an anxiety thing that manifests in teeth. I don't know. I, my anxiety dreams are never consistent, so it's never revolving around teeth. The one recurring like theme in a dream that I have is that I'm like underwater, but I, get I can those always too. breathe. Oh, I if I'm underwater, it's, I can't breathe, which is weird because I don't have any water anxiety either. I, it's always a pleasant surprise. Like I'll just be on the ocean floor and I'm like, this is fun. Do you ever get flying dreams? I've never had a flying dream. No. I've never had a falling dream either. I have had falling dreams, but 
I don't know. I've never hit the ground, which I don't think you do in no. a falling dream. I think I had a couple of them after I broke my collarbone, but that was like directly trauma related. <laughs> uh, that tracks. Yeah. Um, yeah. If there are any dream experts listening to this podcast. No, it's just a bunch of teen know. wolf experts being like, could you guys get to the point? We're I mean, I, I suppose we could. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this week we're talking about episode nine of season three, and it's called The Girl Who Knew Too Much. That it is. Um, it was directed by our dear friend, Tim Andrew. And him. Uh, our close personal friend. Our close personal um, friend of the podcast. <laughs> yes. And written by, you guessed it, Jeff Davis and Angela Harvey, um, the dynamic duo. Who did some bad duoing dynamically this week. Yeah. We have our complaints. They've, I, I don't know. They've been pretty consistent thus far. Perhaps this was just their time. Maybe. To mess it up. I don't know. It's um, funny though. When I, when we kind of joke about like who we'd want on the pod, we're like, Oh, Orny Adams. I feel like if there was anybody I'd want, it would not be Jeff Davis. I would either want Tim Andrew or Russell McKay. Please. For the love of God. Not only do I have teen wolf questions, I have Highlander questions. I, I know you do. Um, what if they came on together? Uh, wow. Russell and Tim. It would be a Teen Wolf masterclass. If you're listening. As if this isn't already the Teen Wolf masterclass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this episode confused both of us. It was very strangely paced. It's funny, when we sat down to watch it, both of us were like, do you know what happens in this episode? And it was just, I think it is so chaotic that we were both like, I'm going to throw that away from my memory. I remembered the ending of this episode. That's where I stopped remembering this episode. Um, I was sitting there being like, I have, oh, I don't know. I don't know what happens. Uh, I, I was watching it. I feel like for the first time. Well, it picks up so weirdly. It, imp- I feel like the implication is that you have missed something. That's what I kept thinking while we were going through it. I was like, did we miss an episode? There's no way. But because the last one was just flashback. Yeah. It feels like we have kind of skipped around in time. It's very weird. Yes. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Um, Before we launch into our theme, we unfortunately have to do a 60-second recap. I'm not expecting greatness from either of us this episode. No, because it... uh, There's a lot. Yeah. And it was chaotic. Yeah. Um, Who's going first? That would be you. And are you ready? No. Okay. Um, Three, two, one. Okay, so uh, the deputy goes into the school on a 911 call, and she sees her own dead body, and then the Duroc sacrifices her, and then the gang rolls up because Lydia has, like, a banshee feeling, and then Scott finds the body, and then, uh, 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 oh my gosh, uh, then the sheriff tells Styles that the FBI is coming, and then Allison is staying homesick, and then she has this sort of, like, sexy fight with Isaac, and he's like, I'm here to save you, even though you don't need your saving, or whatever, and then there's some English class scheming, and then Lydia hooks up with Aiden to get him away from from Ethan and then um, uh, Ethan tells Scott and Styles about like his pack and then Cora fights Aiden and then uh, Isaac and Allison figure out some map and that the next thing that's going to be this way sacrifices guardians and then Cora yells at everyone for being bad at their jobs and then Jennifer and Derek make out it's gross and then Scott goes to confront Morel and she's like I'm the only one keeping you from being fucking dead right now and then the history teacher gets abducted and then Styles tells his dad about all the werewolves and then Allison is convinced that her dad's a rock. he's not yeah. That was, you were like 
three-fifths of the way through I think I episode. was three-fifths. I think I probably would have been a little farther if I didn't just, like, stop and sputter there for a bit at the beginning. I, I mean, I feel like uh, at this point in, like, the quarantine and all of the terrible news that everybody's had to uh, absorb over the last several months, I think my brain just short circuits every, like, 30 minutes or so. I it would be really interesting to see, like, the sort of neurological studies that come out in, like examination of what this year does to people it's definitely mass trauma uh but particularly quarantine because you know we're having those like crazy dreams in quarantine back to crazy dreams oh yeah i had i had some insane dreams last night and i was like i yeah horrible i guess you're still in a little bit more of quarantine than i am i have to go to work (laughs) yeah i feel like i'm becoming agoraphobic like i don't want to go outside because i'm just inside all the time i know i'm never alone (laughs) in the apartment (laughs) I give you all this time to be alone in the apartment. I know. Uh, you just need um, uh, a uh, like an appointment for every week where you leave the house. Yeah. Well, need, I'll work on that. Make a friend. I already have two. I know. <laughs> no, I weirdly am seeing like more than one friend this week, and I'm like, oh, ugh, no, <laughs> who? Who dares? Who dares suggest that we meet in public during a pandemic? Okay. Um, Wear your masks, please. Um, love of God. Are you, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. I, I believe in you. Um, I got farther than I thought I was going to, so. Mm-hmm. Okay. On your mark, get set, go. Okay, so the sheriff's deputy comes to the school and she gets killed by the Duroc and the Scooby gang shows up and finds her body. Um, Allison doesn't really want to go to school and Chris is trying to like respect her mental health in class. They're trying to get to Ethan to kind of figure out what's going on um, and they're speculating because they can't get away from Aiden. Uh, they're talking to him in the hall. Cora comes after Aiden in the locker room and they're like, well, you can't come after him because he is to the next full moon. Allison and Isaac are going through her father's study and they're like, He's killing everybody, and they find out who the next category is. Uh, there's a sexy fight preceding that. Scott uh, confronts Morel. Derek and Jennifer re- reconcile. Um, a teacher goes missing. Chris and Allison uh, line up with each other when they find the teacher who was taken, um, and he dies, I assume. And uh, the sheriff uh, is talking to Styles about all the werewolf stuff, and he doesn't believe him, but then he um, goes to the hospital to try to figure out one of the pieces of the Duroc being killed by the werewolves, and Melissa helps him. Um, Lydia goes to the recital for the losses at the school and then gets kidnapped by the Duroc. Sorry. I was so close. I know. I, so I really, close. I looked down when you were talking about like the, uh, the, like Allison and her dad, like finding the English teacher. And I was like, it was like 17 seconds. And I was like, oh, bitch, she might just do it. And I don't know where. Oh, uh, I took a breath. That was my fatal flaw, apparently. Yeah, you really have to do um, it in one breath. I cannot remember the last one I did all the way through. I know it was this season, but. It's also just way easier at the beginning of the season. I mean, probably with any show. Like, if we were doing this with any show, it'd be like Mm -hmm. that. Because they're just establishing things. Um, Um, What do we miss? So, we find out that Jennifer is the Duroc, and she decides that she's going to kill Lydia, and Lydia screams, and Jennifer's like, you're a fan. Scott tries to come after her. She beats the shit out of him with one little karate chop to the chest um and then yeah she iron fists him (laughs) yeah and the sheriff shows up and she kidnaps him and um the teacher playing the piano gets 
her throat slashed open by a piano string. Which is disgusting. Have you ever seen somebody restring a piano? No, I see someone like tune a piano. The strings don't whip back when you cut them. No, but it's magic, so yeah, whatever. Um, I very inventive, very inventive. Yeah, it was really gross that she was like vomiting mistletoe through her like bloody neck hole. Mm-hmm. All hole. the people who had to watch that, I'm so sorry. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know we're talking about like the generational trauma of 2020, the mass trauma of living in Beacon Hills. Just yeah, and they never bury anybody. No, I think, and that... Well, I guess after Isaac's dad died, who's going to bury them? <laughs> a, a valid point. He, he was apparently Beacon Hills' only undertaker, the, so... The only one. Um, yeah, the funeral. The funerals in that town. You can only imagine, because we never see them. No, a problem. Um, yeah, so this is a, 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 a an action-packed episode that we're going to be discussing through the theme of confession. Uh, it, it seems that this is a an episode sort of geared to... I mean, it's pushing us into our last couple of episodes, so things inherently have to come to a head. And it's interesting that in this one, it is um, by the choice of the people who are confessing things, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to, you know, us noticing or it being revealed. Yeah. Um, who do you want to talk about first? Well, let's see. Um, let us talk about hmm, Styles. Yes. And the sheriff, because... They have such good moments in this episode. And I think we've been missing that a lot this season. I know. I think it's way bigger in the next season, but I do feel like the sheriff has been lacking. Absentee. Yeah. A bit. Um, All the parents. And I'm like, that's why things have been confusing. There's no adults. <laughs> well, and, and we've talked repeatedly about how much more interesting it gets when the adults are involved and know what's going on. And this is kind of the last piece of the puzzle. He's the last parent to get involved, the sheriff. I know. Interesting that they, I don't know. That they chose him to be the mm-hmm. last one. Um, I mean, I guess not because like Scott is the werewolf and Melissa is his mom, but yeah, I don't remember this being, um, as fraught as it is. I don't remember it being as rushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point too. Um, because it comes, I like three, three quarters of the way through the episode where I don't even know who it is that tells Styles he has to tell his dad. I think uh, it's Scott or Allison. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's Scott because this is after Lydia. Um, like figures out that the English teacher is missing Mm, and they're like, it's guardians or something like that. Like they, they realize that the sacrifices are coming that night and, and Scott calls him and says like, you need to tell him. And he's like, okay, I'm going to tell him everything. And this is when like a very like fucked up Cora is in the car. I'm not entirely sure why she doesn't heal. Is that a a Duroc thing? I don't think so. Well, okay, here's the thing about that. Um, she should have had her neck broken and possibly just like at a severe crazy angle because he hit her in the head with what had to have been a 50-pound weight that you put on a weight bar. Yeah. So the fact that she's alive at all, let alone with a, a neck that is still straight up, mm-hmm. wild. Well, it also brings us back to like how none of the impacts on the werewolves have the same like lasting effects. There's no consistency. No. At all. Um, but yeah, no, this is a really big moment for Styles to have to tell his dad um 
that this is, is what happens in their life. Especially, I think it's really poignant that it starts with I'm um, the death of a loved one. Uh, I'm really against fridging women, um, specifically black women, which Teen Wolf is one to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, they were both in a, a serious, like, fragile state because of that. Like, he talks about how Deputy... Tara. Tara. Mm-hmm. Tara, thank you. And he talks about how Tara helps him with his, helped him with his homework when he was little, you know, like waiting for his dad at the station. So they clearly have, have a really deep relationship, and obviously that means she's been working with his dad for a really long time before she dies. So to have to be like, I know how this happened to her, to be like, you don't understand everything about like this person that we, like what has happened to this person who we both love is, is really... Um, Really big, and I again, I wish that the scene where he breaks down and breaks not breaks down isn't emotionally, but breaks mm-hmm. down like the actual like werewolf on the chessboard thing um, was less rushed because I would be much more interested in a moment to even acknowledge her in that scene, which they don't. Yeah, it does feel. I feel like there were scenes that got cut of that interaction. Uh, yeah, I feel like this, I, I feel like the original, like, uncut version of this episode is an hour and a half long. Yeah, um, because it's so major, and I think it's very appropriate that when Styles is trying to figure out how to tell him, he is just pacing back and forth in his room, because he has, uh, a year's worth, or in our understanding of it, like, two and a half seasons worth of stuff, to tell his dad about. So not only is he like wrestling with the guilt of not having told him sooner over Tara, but it's like, where do I even start? Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives us that great scene where he like pulls out a chessboard yeah. and starts labeling it with sticky notes, uh, who everybody is and what they are. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting how, how much he doesn't know where to start because he also is like very, noticeably feeling guilty about things because it, that is his biggest thing about not wanting to start is there's so much that he's kept from his dad, which is brings it back to sort of like maybe the more like, like Catholic version of confession mm-hmm. is that he has to tell his dad that like, I have been complicit in you being unable to do your job because I've known all this for so long. Meanwhile, Cora is just chilling on the bed, like bleeding from her head and they don't really notice or do anything until she stands up and passes out. And I'm just kind of like, I feel like if I were dad or mom, a parent, an aunt perhaps. And the child in my, my, of whom I was a guardian came home with a girl with a cut on her forehead. I would be like, I cannot listen to you until we do something about your injured friend who I've never met before either. Yeah. She just shows up. Yeah. Um, and it's not like she's a school friend because she's a hail. She hasn't been there. Yeah. It's so weird. It's yeah. It's very I, out of I blame, place. I, you know who I blame? The writers. A little, a little <laughs> bit. Um, yeah. Well, the interesting thing about styles guilt around all of this uh-huh. is this is not the first time that it's been suggested to him that he should bring his dad in on this information. It's been brought up before by multiple different people and he has resisted every time because he doesn't want his dad to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And the whole, the whole thing is that he wants to be protecting his dad, which is admirable, 
But I think in this moment, he realizes that that was the wrong call. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And what a tough thing to have to reconcile with. Yeah, and it's really interesting because after going through all of this, after making this big confession, the sheriff doesn't believe him. Oh, which is just tragic. Which, it's it's interesting to me because that's coming from so many different angles. And one uh, is that the, super, the supernatural is really hard to believe in because mm-hmm. it's supernatural. Um, but the other is that it means... It would also be a, a resonate as a feeling with, of guilt with him as well. As in, like, I, I could have been doing more, you know? Yeah. It, by accepting that there is a supernatural, he, he would also have to accept that there were things totally beyond his control that had he known about, he could have been doing yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it leads to this really heartbreaking moment in the hospital where Styles says, Mom would have believed me. Which... <sighs> it's interesting to me... That line really hurts, I think, especially because we know that Styles' mom died when he was 10, mm-hmm. which is when, you know, it, it feels very, like, sort of, I guess, childish to believe in the supernatural. And I just started thinking of, like, when your mom was like, no, I believe you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Ooh. Right. I, I think the other aspect to that is that Styles lies to his dad a lot. Yeah. Um, and the sheriff calls him out on it. It doesn't go unnoticed. So it's kind of a situation where it's the boy who cried wolf. Literally <laughs> and figuratively. But also... Nice one. <laughs> but do you know what the scene with the chessboard reminded me of, though? Qua. It's like when you are laughing at something on your phone and your mom asks you what you're laughing at and you're trying to explain it to her, but it's a meme that has, like, five different generations <laughs> of meme. And so yeah. you're trying to explain uh, the oh shit, what up, that boy? boy yeah. <laughs> to her, like, here's what you like... need to know. About 10 years ago, somebody ordered a pizza with just <laughs> sausage on the left side, no cheese, no sauce. <laughs> and you're laughing because you think it's, it's funny, funny, and your mom is just like, I don't I understand. understand. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, so. that's really, that's really what it's like. So it was a beautiful little moment of levity that just like yeah. crashed. It is down. funny though when your mom is like, but why is that funny? And you're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the worst is when you think you've explained it perfectly, perfectly. and she still asks you that. And you're uh-huh. like, I don't know what else I could have done. Yeah, here. At this point, at this point, you need to lighten up. <laughs> just the absurdism, yeah. I think, is what needs to click in. I know. Like, just that's what memes are. They're yeah. absurd. Yeah. That's all I got. Like, I'm going to pull up the Wikipedia page on Dadaism, but I still don't think you're going to find it funny. <laughs> well, this is also what knowyourmeme.com is for. Truly. So shout out to them. Bless them. Um, yeah. Styles, Styles, Styles' confession um, is one of my, one of the best ones, I think, in this episode because it is not only to relay information it does obviously help at the end because like the sheriff goes to go see like to go help Lydia at the school um but then gets kidnapped but it it is a confession of so much more emotional weight than like plot weight yeah (laughs) yeah because we've been we've been waiting for this confrontation for this confession for a long time yes and it's not as satisfying as you want it to be, but it's clear. No, that, I remember it being better. Well, I think it plays out in such a way that is satisfying. We just don't get it in this episode. Okay. 
eventually. I could be wrong, but that's what I do remember. Interesting. Um, I don't know. Should we move on? Let, do let's. Who would you like to talk about? I kind of want to talk about the twins. Their confession is a kind of a non-entity as far as the plot goes, but it is really interesting um, because I think it does one of the only sort of good jobs of Teen Wolf explaining like where lo- explaining how loyalty can be born, especially considering that everybody in the show just kind of walks in and is loyal to Scott. Mm-hmm. Like Liam is kind of resistant, obviously, because Scott just like bites him. <laughs> yeah, I would um, be mad too. Yeah, but like it is really interesting because obviously, like Scott and Styles and the, the rest of the McCall pack would, are always sort of being like, "But why would you choose evil?" And it's a really sort of black and white way of thinking. And I think what's so interesting about Aiden's confession is he's like, well, you don't actually understand what makes people do bad things then. Um, Especially when all of our villains have been like Kate and Gerard, just like people who are like evil incarnate. Like they don't have Mm -hmm. their reasons like aren't good (laughs) or whatever. Um, And now we have somebody like Ducalion and we also have the twins who can come in and be like, if it wasn't us killing them, we would have been killed. It was life or death. Because their confession is that the reason they're in Deucalion's pack is they were Omegas in their original pack, and their pack were, like, bloodthirsty, hungry, murdering monsters and would basically kick the shit out of them. And Deucalion came, taught them how to control their twin morphing so that they mm-hmm. could take down their own pack. Um and it's funny because Jennifer brings up later that the idea of sacrifice is necessary evil. And I think to Ethan and Aiden, that was a necessary evil. Yeah. And it's interesting the way that they talk about Deucalion as well, because Ethan says very specifically, you don't understand what we owe him. Mm-hmm. Because with the other members of the pack that we've met with Kali and Ennis, who are portrayed as very one dimensional, we don't really get to know them. Um, they, they can't s- go to high school. <laughs> they can't go to high school. That's true. They seem to have pretty selfish motives to having th- like to want to kill their pack um, because they they wanted to be this like bloodthirsty alpha. They wanted to join the alpha pack. Like it, it was a a power move for them in a way that only increased what they already had. Mm-hmm. Versus Ethan and Aiden, who were doing it because one kind of to avenge the people who were being murdered. Presumably they don't state that explicitly. No, but, but I, I don't think they would have mentioned that had it not been an important yeah, part of it. Yeah. Um, and that, but that's also like how you start cults is you give people who have no power, power or the illusion of power. Yeah. And they will follow you. Yeah. But I think that it's, it's very interesting in that, like Sort of none of these people follow Deucalion that, forgive me, blindly. Ha <laughs> 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 um, Like, I think, I think given the chance, Kali would kill Deucalion, but it has never been advantageous for her. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I also don't think that any of them could accomplish it. No. On He's Daredevil. their own. He is the Daremon Wolf. Um, but... There seems to be like a, not a camaraderie, but the you get the sense that the relationship between Deucalion and Kali is far different mm-hmm. from the relationship. And perhaps to 
Ethan and Aiden. And that might have something to do with age, although we have no idea how old they are. Yeah, they mentioned that they're not real high school students, which, like, we been knew the Carver twins were, like, 45 when they filmed this. <laughs> we're aware. Yeah. But. Um, it's, it's interesting to me, though, that, like, the breakdown of sort of. The breakdown of this is that the the closest thing that they could have been offered to family at the time of them like having to kill their original pack was the alpha pack and all of a sudden they have been sent in on this mission and are making friends and Mm -hmm. making connections and like you know relating to people is like sort of the number one way to realize that the way you're living is really fucked up and Ethan seems to be coming to that conclusion far faster than Aiden. Because he loves Danny. He really does. Aiden like, likes Lydia. Like, Ethan They're having loves fun. Danny. Yeah. But yeah, Ethan loves Danny. When he like brushes his, his hair out of his eyes and ties his tie, I was like, that is love, bitch. Yeah. It Very is sweet. so sweet. And I also just think that like, going back to, the, to, to, to Aiden, I just think, I mean, not... Aiden to Ethan, it is really interesting to me how willing he is to give over that confession because he is the one um, who is, is has the stronger relationship with the sort of people at the school, like with the friend group. Like they have to separate him from Aiden because Aiden hasn't actually made a connection like that yet. That's pushing him as far away from the group as Ethan is. Um, why did they name them Ethan and Aiden? I get so confused. Um, but, you know, it, it sort of, it takes that relationship to sort of break down his walls enough to be like, here's what you need to know. Um, meanwhile, Aiden hits Cora with a weight in the face. Which is sickening. Atrocious. I truly have never liked that there's no don't hit girls rule in werewolfdom. <laughs> Like, truly, like, girls will be like, we want equal rights. And men will be like, does that mean we can hit you? No. No, No, thank you. No, it doesn't. No. No. Yeah, Ethan and Aiden are in conflict with each other, which pushes them away from each other. Yeah, well, honestly, there was just never enough conflict between the two of them for my liking. If you know anything about (laughs) twins, (laughs) they should always be fighting. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's, there is a moment when they're like at the lockers and Ethan or Aiden asks Ethan, like, if Deucalion told you to, would you kill Danny? And mm-hmm. Ethan's like, if Deucalion told you to, would you kill me? And that moment I really thought needed just like one more beat. We needed to hang on it for just like a little bit. That's such a crazy big question. And he it's blows also, it off. It's also foreshadowing for the end of the season. Yes. Um, and any, like, obviously, my experience is very personal because I have a twin. But anytime, like, twins die and things, that is, like, it... I mean, everyone thinks about, like, this scene in the end, in the seventh Harry Potter book and movie mm-hmm. where, obviously, like, Fred dies. And there's, like... I remember listening to an interview with one of the Phelps twins. I do not know which one plays which. <laughs> But the one who plays George was like, that scene was, I, I couldn't stop myself from crying because even thinking about it for long enough just really upsets you. And me and mm-hmm. Madison are always like, you better not die before <laughs> me, bitch. I cannot live without you. And for him to suggest that and for Aiden to be like, like just blow it off was like, hey, hey, yeah. think about that harder. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. He just, he literally like rolls his eyes. I know. And it was just, I think, well, one, I think that reaction would be fine, but they needed to give it one more second. A beat. Yeah. Um, a beat. If you will. Um, yeah. Interesting. Their confession doesn't also doesn't do much for this episode, but it does let us know that we are going to see a shift in where the twins like allegiances lie mm-hmm. in it, the coming episodes. It's more trackling. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think next we need to talk about uh, Allison, Isaac, and Chris, who mm. have by far the most interesting plot in this episode, and it's barely focused on. Yeah, how disappointing. Like, I didn't, I didn't really care to watch the fight in the locker room. I just wish, I mean, like, I know that, you know how, like, uh, every superhero movie would be way better if they didn't have to have a 20-minute final battle? Yeah. Yeah. That's what, like, I wish uh, there could, I, I want an episode of Teen Wolf that doesn't have a single fight scene. I'm really trying to think if that exists, and I think perhaps the closest we come is Motel California. Because uh, there's, con- yeah. there's like, physical conflict, but it's not really... There's no fight choreo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish. Yeah, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to... <laughs> I, could you be quiet and talk? Like, just I, I need to listen for a second. Like, I just, ugh, it's yeah. Uh, Say some more words. Every every episode of Teen Wolf would be more clear with ten more lines of dialogue. Oh, oh, it sure would be. And yeah, um, but so this the Isaac Allison and Argent thing wasn't a major thing. I wish it had been because it was really fascinating. And the sort of confession that happens here is that Allison goes to go chase down her dad because she thinks that Chris is the Duroc. Wild. Crazy. A but wild I also conclusion. totally get it. Mm-hmm. Because Gerard is an evil, evil hate. man. Yeah. Yeah. And he's she, the only one left. So. And, now, and what she found out, she found out about her mom like two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. So she, she probably is looking at her family thinking like, I am from like, just complete like bad blood Mm -hmm. and i think that that's totally legit especially when she sees the currents on the thingy um and sees that he's been able to predict where things are going to happen that we don't know yet like i would be like yeah yeah that sounds major sketch to me and he knows all the categories Mm -hmm. of people who are and we know a little bit from the last episode that he knows more about like Durox and shit than he's ever let on. But the thing that's like the sort of confessional element of them in this episode is admitting is basically finally like looking each other in the eye and and saying like, I have been working on this and I've known you have been too. And he even says to her, he's like, if we're going to tally lies, like you don't, you're going to surpass me. Yeah. You're, you have not a leg to stand on. Yeah. It is very interesting and, Part of the reason I wish that this had more screen time and more talky time is that I can understand that Chris didn't really want to get involved with this at the beginning because mm-hmm. he's kind of sworn off that whole life. That makes sense to me. But at this point, more than six people, like nine people, have died. And even if he's not the Drac, which obviously he isn't, if I were Allison, I'd be pissed that he had been sitting on that knowledge mm-hmm. and not saying anything to anyone. It is so late in the game for him to be staying quiet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. I 
I can, you can sit here and be like, I have all these reasons for wanting to justify this. You know, I think, I think to Chris, the farther he keeps Allison and Scott and shit out of the loop, the farther they'll, the, the farther they'll be from the Duroc. Not really able to, to like let himself believe that they're going to get close anyway. Which is completely disregarding um, the last two seasons of the show and everything he knows about his daughter. What are men for other than like belittling their teenage daughters? <laughs> Truly. Well, and he's known. I'm just kidding, dad. I love you. <laughs> but he's known that she's been a part of this for the last two episodes. Definitively, we know this. Yeah. So what's he been doing? Just sitting on his hands. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't have any defenses for him. I, I think that his his confession is way too little too late. Even if he does save them from the Duroc, which he kind of does, but also wouldn't have to if he had told them earlier what he was about. Mm-hmm. This also breeds my favorite Isaac moment in maybe the whole series when he's like, I smell blood. And she's like, what? Where's it coming from? And he's like, I don't know. I'm not that good at this yet. It is so, so charming. Also, they're doing it in this like huge abandoned building, which how many freaking huge abandoned buildings are there in Beacon Hills? I grew up in Detroit. I don't so, know. Yeah, you, but like, that's not normal. Yeah. Um, what do you mean it's not normal? It is not average. Okay. But um, there's also the crazy moment when Chris comes in, literally guns ablazing with like two pistols, one in each hand, which just seems so crazy. It is so ineffective. And also, uh, he probably killed that teacher. Like yes, accidentally. on accident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Friendly fire. It was not <laughs> yeah. sacrifice. It's funny. I think I actually read something once about like guns and crime shows and stuff. Just like as somebody who um, does like practical effects and somebody else who was talking about like how guns actually work. I don't know. I have never held a gun. I have no intention of ever holding one outside mm-hmm. of mayhaps like an acting opportunity. Yeah. Um, and they were talking about like how much trying to shoot with two guns will completely obliterate your aim. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. So when I t- anytime somebody does that in a show, I'm like, they're not hitting anything. No, it looks cool. It's fun. It is ineffective. Yeah. <sighs> um, yeah. So the, their, their confession was, was to each other, not necessarily major to the plot, but important to get Chris back on our side or back in our sort of information pool. Yep, because he, like all of the other parents, has been really absent besides those little crumbs of like, oh, he knows what's going on. Yes. So bringing him back in the fold, which is important because he then is one of the people who gets kidnapped for the final sacrifice. So they need to, we need a better understanding that he knows what's going on and that he's participating. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Into it. I also... This is where I feel like his journey with Isaac starts because the best, the only great thing about Isaac's ending, which is so like unceremonious, is just that basically he goes to werewolf school with Chris. In France, right? In France. Yeah. Like Derek was Scott's werewolf teacher. Scott did a really bad job with Isaac, but so did Derek. Like neither of them (laughs) did a good job. And then Scott did a pretty good job with Liam, but that was his beta. But Mm -hmm. then like the person who was like, Isaac, I will teach you to be a good werewolf is a werewolf hunter. I love that. You know, and now Isaac knows how to speak French. Mm -hmm. I assume he didn't come back for the Daniel Harmon. Were you busy? 
Actually, he probably he's on so many Netflix series. He yeah. like, he books. Um, I, I'm sure he was. Yeah. Uh, we, so we should probably move into the final and most significant confession. Let's do it. Which comes from Jennifer, who shows us that big old ugly face and is like, "I'm the Rock." That's how she says it. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Verbatim. Verbatim. <laughs> it's um, me. <laughs> yeah, a little Wicked Witch of the West cackle in there. Um, we see her face like at the very beginning of the episode, which is brand new. Well, kind of. We see it vaguely at the end of Motel California, but not in like explicit detail. Yeah. Um, Have you ever seen the videos of, I forget this actress's name, running around with the Dirac makeup on? <laughs> I think I have seen a few They gifts. are so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I just I can have only to imagine. she's having a great time. Yeah. I mean, six hours in the makeup chair. You have to make the best of it. It's real gross. I know. Like a heinous. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was six hours, but I'm guessing it was a long time. Yeah. Disgusting. Ew. Anyway. So we, f- we find out a lot. Not just that she's the Duroc. Mm-hmm. but that she was an emissary at one point. As you have to be, I guess, to be a Duroc. I guess so, yeah, because you're an evil druid, which perhaps is the connection we were missing. We were very confused. I was just confused. It felt like we had gotten, they were trying to convince us that we had gotten information in the last episode that we didn't get, and that information was that... The Duroc must be an emissary from... Another pack. Yeah. That was killed. Yes. By werewolves. Yeah, it was that the Duroc was killed by werewolves. Mm-hmm. That had not... Did we miss that? I mean, I know we were confused about the last episode, but like, where the F was that coming in? I really don't think it played in the last episode at all. Like, we know from Deaton that we know what a Duroc is from Deaton. Mm-hmm. Gerard suggests that it is Deaton, which is kind... I think that's the only mention of it in the previous episode. So it's very confusing. Yeah. But she, at the end of the episode, gets Lydia away from the pack uh, by texting her from Aiden's phone. Um, She says that Lydia isn't a sacrifice, but then is about to do all the sacrificial shit to her and says one last philosopher. So is she or was she not? No, I think she was like doing it at the same time that the last philosopher was taken. And I think she like knew it was going to happen. Her Duroc powers did it. Okay. Because clearly she could be in two places at once. Well, yeah. She also apparently absorbs the power of the people she's sacrificing. Delicious. <laughs> Which is cool. Yeah. Very Well, very werewolf-esque because when you kill a werewolf you yeah. and you are a werewolf, you uh-huh. absorb its power. Yeah. Um, I promise I won't bring up the covenant. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then she... Before she, I mean, she reveals unto Lydia that it is her who's been killing people. She doesn't reveal the face until the end. Mm -hmm. But she also confesses for Lydia, in a way, in telling her that she's a banshee. This is the first time we ever hear those words. Yeah, we we do not know that they exist in the world of werewolves until right now. And also, kind of the way that Jennifer says it implies that they're kind of rare. She's, like, shocked. yeah. That she's seeing one. Yeah. Which is fascinating because Lydia is one of a kind. Lydia's like, I'm different. <laughs> Couldn't be me. Couldn't um, be me. Um, and yeah, and, and, and Lydia's scream, her banshee call is what brings Scott and presumably the sheriff to where she is. 
Um, I don't think so. I think... Because if... I mean, I don't know. I think the implication is that the werewolves can hear it because Derek can hear it in the hospital for some reason. But, like, Styles is standing right next to Scott and is like, why are you... Why are you hurting? Yeah. And then Ethan and Aiden in the audience can hear it too. And Isaac. So... Okay. No, no, maybe she sense. just calls to other supernatural creatures. Maybe. Anyway, the sheriff rolls through mm-hmm. and is kind of badass to begin with, but then gets stabbed. Yeah. Um, and then she, Jennifer, kisses him. So disgusting. It's gratuitous and weird. Everything about her character and the way that she relates to other characters in any sexual way has been so mismanaged that mm-hmm. I can't even think that that's a cool reveal. It's yeah. also a little bit making me think about when, uh, when I, before I saw Venom and everybody was like, oh, Eddie makes out with Venom. And I was like, ha ha. And then There's I watched it and I was like, oh, Eddie makes out with Venom. Okay. There are truly just some phrases about movies that you're like, there's no way. Like when someone told, when my mother told me that at the end of Doolittle, Robert Downey Jr. pulls bagpipes out of a dragon's ass. I was like, there's no way that that is true. And it's true. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, what? Uh, in the world. Um, if you had told me that Hulk dabbed in Endgame. <laughs> okay, I would like to specify that these are all just, like, bad Marvel Ventures. Maybe it's just them. Possibly. As Doolittle a Marvel Venture, yes, Robert Downey Jr. It's, it's part of the MCU. It's part of the MCU. <laughs> Might as fucking well be. Uh, it is that absurd. But um, can you believe my mother paid to see that in theaters? Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she kisses her. I actually think the thing that, that, that bothers me about that the most is that... Um, the unwilling participant. The unwilling participant. And then also the concept of like, ooh, it would be sexy... But look at her disfigured face. And that kind of shows up like in one of the final confrontations where she's like, look at how ugly I am. And it's like, that's why that's not why I don't like you. Yeah. Your ugliness has nothing to do with it's it. It's like a little corpse bride. <laughs> it is. It is. It's um weird. Uh sexist somehow. What's that line in Mean Girls? It's like Amber, I don't hate you because you're fat. You're fat because <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Yep. 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 Jennifer, yep. we don't hate you because you're ugly. You're ugly because we, we hate you. A hundred percent. But yeah, she confesses to us, but we've been new. And I, you said earlier mm-hmm. that this really frustrated you because she, we knew she was bad news. They telegraph it from the first episode. The first episode. And I don't know, maybe it's just me. Like, I can remember watching this season for the first time, and when she walked in and she does the thing where she texts everybody in the class that quote from Heart of Darkness, of all things, I was like, that bitch is evil. I don't know how. The Heart of Darkness quote. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I don't know what she's doing. I don't know what I don't know what her deal is, but that bitch is evil. And then when the birds fly into the window, I did think it was interesting that they brought that back in the, like, autopsy report or whatever, mm-hmm. or the hospital report. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. But yeah, you kind of know from the start that something hinkies up with this lady. Yeah. So it's like not special. It's not a surprise at all. I would so... I think that would have been the best thing ever is for us to just not know. And I think the the biggest issue is that she was too close. 
mm-hmm. is that she has this like affair with Derek and like shows up all these different times. Like she was way too close to the action. It's like how um, they often say that like serial killers will try to stay like really close to police during like investigations of their murders, and that's often how they get caught. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, that makes sense. Which she's a serial killer, too so, close to the investigators. So, I, you know, the thing that kind of bothers me about that is that there's a moment um, because Cora collapses and she goes to the hospital because she's not healing because like, she got hit with what had to have been a fifty pound weight. Um, and Derek is there crying because he thinks his sister's gonna die. Um, and it's it would be a very sweet moment if we had had any real inkling of the relationship between the two of them. And I can't help but think that the time spent on building whatever kind of relationship they thought Derek and Jennifer were going to have and giving that screen time to Derek and Cora. Yeah. Would have been so much better. Yes, I agree. Well, it's also just really weird to me that it feels like in this season, like instead, like they had to sort of give Derek like his sort of like dirty sexy plot and the first version of that was that he had slept with Kate mm-hmm. and then he was just kind of an asshole last season they were like no we need to make him sexy again or you could just make him like a person <laughs> like he didn't have to have like Derek didn't need sex appeal in this season he's already have you seen Tyler Hecklin he's, he's good yeah he's we're good on that front. yeah and if you can't have him relate to anybody in like a like sisterly or familial way who's not Peter that just makes me think that you don't think very highly of Derek I think that's part of the problem and especially because the two romantic plots that he is given this season alone um he has two in the season well the page in the last oh yeah as much as I didn't care for that I think if that was the only romantic plot that involved Derek for the whole season, it would have made him so much more endearing, but you had to give him two and you had to make it weird and sticky, sticky. I, I hate to bring this up, but I kind of wonder if the weirdness between Derek and Jennifer and the forcedness of the relationship kind of encouraged Derek. I wonder well, I think being unable to give either of them a romantic outlet in the first three seasons, with the exception of some Stidia. But just barely. Makes that happen. Mm-hmm. I had this conversation the other day with my sister, and we were talking about like why Destiel exists and why it blew up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I stopped watching Supernatural a long time ago, but it begs the question, what was there? And if you have a show um, about two brothers who spend all of their time alone, there's not really a lot of time for like romantic, long-term romantic relationships to play out throughout the series. So if you all of a sudden introduce this character who has like a profound bond to another one, people are like, that's it, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Even though if you watch that show, you're in with any kind of critical eye, you're like, where are they getting that? Mm -hmm. Not unlike Steric. (laughs) Yeah. Well, part of the problem with, Uh, Teen Wolf in terms of its romantic relationships is that it's truly an ensemble show and they like it's about Scott but they try to give so much plot and screen time to other characters deservingly so Um, but I think it kind of detracts from like major 
storylines and, and things that could be going on. And they don't, I don't think they know how to pace it. And the weird amount of filler in this season, like there, there were ways to make it happen. Totally. We totally moved away from our discussion and we're like, and we now did. it's the bitching hour. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I at, this point, at this point we're allowed. Yeah. One, it's our podcast, and two, we've watched so much table. So much. Um, so yeah, that kind of wraps up our, our discussion on confession. People mm-hmm. really had a lot to uh, tell everybody in this episode. Uh, do you want to move into Q's and O's? Let's do it. Do you uh, have some questions? I have no questions. Oh, I have so many. Oh, okay. Um, I think I I think I thought about questions and then was too overwhelmed by the trying to answer them part. So if you have a question, go ahead. I mean, some of them are just like, I'm never going to get any answers to this. Then just list those because <laughs> I'm not going to try. How do packs get emissaries? What is the line of succession? Facebook. <laughs> Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> it's a whole section. It's They're whole actually section. in the Dean Wolf Rewolf Facebook group. Uh, that's how they connect. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, like, I just have a slew of questions about the emissaries. Emissary Craigslist <laughs> is so funny. Where did they come from? Where did they go? Oh, where <laughs> did I they joke? come from? Yeah. Um, like, what kind of power do they have? Because Morel is like, I'm the only one pulling the leash. And you're like, what leash? Also, what can power? she speak normally? No, Bianca Lawson is physically incapable of that. Okay, true. Um, I love her; she's great. But um, yeah, I just have I just have questions. Then also, like uh, Ethan comes in to stop Aiden from like murdering Cora, and is like, "You can't touch her or Derek until the next full moon," because Kali gave him that. Like, it seems there are very strict uh, rules of engagement for werewolves. How and why and where. Um, well, they did say, she says that in currents that she gives them to the next full moon. Yeah, but like, what are the rules? I don't, uh, Anyway, yeah, <laughs> what are the rules? Actually, that's my whole question. What are the rules? Okay. Do you have any questions that like have answers? No. Those were just Those... more philosophical. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Um, do, you yeah. any, do you have any observations? I have one real big one. Okay. Lydia is wearing... The most insane teeny weeny skirt. skirt. And not only is it teeny weeny, like pat like way past her fingertips, possibly mid-palm. Um, but it's also like Where do your hands fall on your legs? No, like I don't know. It's mid-palm is halfway down my thigh. Okay, well then her wrist, I don't know. Anyway, it looks like her ass is gonna fall out and it's brown. Yeah. So it just kind of looks like her ass anyway. Um, I, I did. I, at first I was like, is she wearing pants? It was absurd. I sometimes think about what Lydia wears in the show and I'm like, gosh, Holland Road must have just been so cold all the time. All the time. Um, different costuming note. This is the best Allison has ever looked. This is like very like 2014 sort of soft grunge where she's wearing like a tiny dress and like fishnets and boots. Yeah. Her hair looks so good. I know. So good. God, I wish her and Isaac had had a season to actually be a couple. Mm-hmm. Very sexy. Very. Very square. They have very square faces. Um, I have one other observation. Share. Which I feel is like a dead horse that we keep beating, but... <laughs> We're not going to stop. <laughs> when um, Deputy Tara arrives at the school, she runs into some kids who are like practicing for the recital, and she's like you need to leave the building now. Someone called in a 911 call, which is 
nonsensical, she would tell them to go back into the room until she had figured it out, or she would have walked them out, or she would have turned on a light. Yeah, turn on the goddamn lights. If you want to, like, let's say, you know how you walk into a, a often, like, a school building, and you turn on lights, and it turns on lights, like, 40 feet away from you, and you're like, well, how do I get to the lights that are by me? Yeah. That's a thing that happens. Uh, if you want to throw that in there, or, like, one of the lights burns out, or something like that, or if you just want to cut, tell us the power is cut or something, but the idea that no one's reaching for a light is just so dumb. I also feel like in so many instances, uh, a lot of lights are automatic. Yeah, especially in schools. And motion sensors. Uh-huh. Like, so, I don't understand. Yeah. Um, oh, and I just, I thought the, the opening scene was really good. Um, as much as I hate the, the fridging, I thought it was a good return to, like, Teen Wolf's horror roots. Yeah, when she sees the shoes being pulled through the door and then walks out and sees herself, it's like... Very good. Any kind of doppelganger horror is good, usually. Mm -hmm. Um, I have an observation. Yes. There's twin telepathy in this episode. Mm. I don't like it. I'm sure we have twin listeners who will be like, but I love that. I have twin telepathy. No, it's it's not that deep. It's it's not. (laughs) I know I said I'd be really pissed if she died, like I would, but also like it's not that deep. (laughs) Is it ever that deep? No. Uh, Yeah, that happens a lot. Not in Teen Wolf, but like in media. I know. It's weird. And I, I don't really understand it. I mean, I guess like there's lots of, I was like, I don't understand where the mysticism around twins comes from as if there's not a bajillion myths about twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is funny that nobody has ever talked to any of them about their experience. <laughs> like, this is what I imagine it's like. Yeah. It's always funny when you find out that like a celebrity has a twin that you didn't know about. Mm, yes. Like Rami Malek. I, yeah, I did know that. Kiefer Sutherland has a twin? That I did not know. Yep, he has a girl twin. So it's a bit different. Yeah. But still. Yeah. But they're twins. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. Um, here's my other observation. Okay. And this is an opinion. Mm-hmm. The romance in this season should have been Styles and Cora. Yes. Yeah. Throw away all of that Jennifer Derrick stuff. Styles and Cora would have been such a good thing. It would have been so interesting. They spend a weird amount of time together. And in this episode, they spend a lot of time alone together. They also are ones to solve problems together a lot of the time. Yeah. In this episode. And not like huge ones, but minor ones. But they work well as a team. Yeah. And... I think their personalities play well off of each other. I think they do too. She has a little bit, she has sort of like a gruffness that is really kind of interesting to watch Styles interact with because most of the people who Styles has his closest relationships with are sort of soft, like Scott and even Lydia. Um, it's just, it's, it's cool. And we do see it later when he's with Malia, mm-hmm. you know? Well, like, uh, Lydia has like a very manufactured aloofness. Um, and she's brilliant. Yeah, she's brilliant, but she's also kind of like caustic, but it is just a fundamental part of Cora's personality that she's just very no nonsense and very like, she's just not going to take shit from anyone. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a, an act Yeah, at all. And I, I don't know. And I just think that like, if there was going to, cause what is the romance of the season? Derek and Jennifer? Thanks. No, thanks. Well, and we're not even really 
paying any attention to Scott Allison yeah. anymore. Like, they care about each other. And we're seeing the crumbs of Allison and Isaac. Yeah. Which I, I like. I like, too. I Again, I want a season of that. Yeah. But, yeah, I just... They kind of set it up where it was like, oh, that'd be a great relationship. Or at least a really good, like, friendship mm-hmm. where if she had stuck around for another season, they could sort of go on, like, their own misadventures together. You know what I think is funny, though, is that uh, we've talked a, a lot, talked a lot of smack about season five, and we're not even there yet, but the it, main issue that I have with season five is that it's one plot through, like, 24 episodes mm-hmm. or so, and... Um, the first three seasons are like 12 or 13 in each one. And like there's three A and three B, which are two different plot lines. And I think a lot of the time um, that's not how TV was being written. And so I think there was an issue with pacing and trying to figure out what you want to include. And there's so much Mm -hmm. and then not being able to figure out the balance because you don't have that Think many about episodes. how much more they could have included if season five was two plot lines. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to think about it. Um, okay, my final observation is that the chess metaphor is bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very low hanging. Like it's like, especially when Isaac is like, you have to look at the whole picture, and they see the, the just the fucking decoration on the desk. Yeah, and also like the insanely unnecessary ornament of it's something my father taught me. Uh, We've never heard anything about that. Also, like, what do we know about your dad? Uh, he was an asshole. He was an asshole. He can fix things. Like, he's a handy dude. So maybe that's it. I guess. I guess. I Literally, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, no, speaking of dumb, 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 dumb. Yeah. Like, metaphors and, and themes. Uh, I was watching something on Amazon, and it was like a preview for another show and it was yet another scene of someone explaining the scorpion and the toad metaphor and I was like no one should ever be able to write that into a tv show for the next 20 years yeah moratorium yeah no more (laughs) same with chess metaphors yeah the chess thing is boring maybe because I literally do not understand the game of chess I don't get it I respect it I love the musical um but it has no interest to me (laughs) All right. Should we do pack stats and wrap this bitch up? Let's do it. That's aggressive. But um, this has been a bitch of an episode. Yeah, and like shockingly low pack stats. Yeah. One eyes. One. One eyes. Okay. No wonder this episode sucks. Yeah, because I'm I'm pretty sure that the little fight between Aiden and Cora, they were just snarling at each other, whatever. Um, one claws, because Aiden's just trying to rip into Cora, or Cora's trying to rip into him. I don't know. And um we had two ads, actually. I was surprised that nothing else but two ads. <laughs> um, Ethan gives Danny an icebreaker mint. Remember those? Yeah. They were so weirdly chewy. I didn't like them. Uh, you remember those ones that were like two different flavors, but they were fruit flavored? I think they were called duos or something. Yeah. They were gross. Oh, you know what they need to bring back? And this is like true nostalgia candy. Hmm. The fruity Altoids. The mango Altoids. I guess. I, I loved them. I don't dislike them. I don't have like a, a nostalgic love for them. Interesting. Fruity Altoids and Sprite Remix, baby. That was my elementary school career. Bring back the Sprite Remix oh, for sure. sure. Um, and then our second ad was Toyota. 
someone's car pulls up and they yeah, yeah, yeah. flash the sign. And um, we've had one siren. One. Which is crazy because... The um, sirens have been uh, crazy lately. Yeah, there was a huge fire down the street from us. Like a legit fire that we could under, like con- conceive of being see. close to us. Yeah. Uh, like a week ago. smoky. Yeah. The Twas. apartment was. <laughs> and all our windows were closed. That was so weird. Crazy. All right, I think that about wraps it up. This has been kind of a long episode, but I guess we had a lot to hash out after a week on hiatus. Um, if you guys enjoyed this episode, I hope you guys leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Uh, if you would like to be part of the Teen Wolf, Rewolf community on a larger level, you can follow us on Twitter at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf, which is also our Instagram handle. Uh, if you would like to be part of our Facebook group, just search Teen Wolf Rewolf Podcast and you'll find it. The discussion is booming in there sometimes. It's been a week mm. of not posting because it's been a week of us not podcasting. Um, but other than that, you guys can find our personal Twitters and Instas or whatever you want to stalk us on throughout all those links. We also have a Tumblr. And without further ado, I hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Uh, woo!